success comes in many different forms. We've worked very hard to build up this incredible team of passionate coaches. We want these kids to be in the sport forever, for as long as they can, until they've had enough and leave happy. Welcome to the Gymnastics Growth Show. My name is Nick Roddick, a performance gymnastics coach providing world-class education, events and consultancy services to the international gymnastics and professional sports community. This podcast is dedicated to optimizing athlete and coach performance from grassroots to gold standard. Stay tuned to discover tactics and strategies designed to transform results for you and your athletes. Welcome to episode 30 of the Gymnastics Growth Show podcast with double Olympian and now performance coach Hannah Whelan. Hannah was one of Great Britain's dominant senior athletes for many years, representing Britain and England at European, World, Olympic and Commonwealth events with medal winning performances also. She transitioned into coaching shortly after her retirement, coaching at Warrington Gymnastics Club alongside her sister and head coach Sophie and a fantastic team of staff. I've spent some consultancy time with Hannah and Sophie at Warrington and have been incredibly impressed with their coaching and efforts to ensure the environment is one where their athletes and coaches can thrive. I enjoyed it so much, I thought it would be great to get Hannah on the podcast, speaking about her experience as an athlete and how this positively impacts her coaching. I always find it fascinating speaking to athletes about their perspective and it's even more powerful when those athletes transition to be coaches also. In this episode, we talk about culture, the importance of role models, value-driven coaching, and how Hannah, Sophie, and the team at Warrington are ensuring their athletes have a great experience at the club. If you're listening on your phone, take a screenshot, stick it up on social media, and use the hashtag gymnasticsgrowth. I'd love to know what you think of the episode also, so send me a DM or comment on the post on Instagram or Facebook. Without further ado, here's episode 30 with Great Britain's Hannah Whelan. Hannah, thank you so much for joining me today on the Gymnastics Growth Show podcast. Been, uh, yeah, no, cool. Been, um, been something I've been wanting to do for a while, and I, and I get feedback from a lot of people that um, I think some gymnasts listen to the podcast as well. And uh, feedback from parents and coaches has been that their their athletes or their children have actually found it really inspiring listening to um, you know former athlete stories or current athlete stories and just seeing it from a different perspective. So. Obviously, you are now a coach and you've been coaching for a few, good few years now since yeah. your time as an athlete. And so I think it's great that you've got kind of both sides of the coin that you can share your perspective on. And yeah, so, yeah, just excited to dig into that. Um, first of all, congratulations on your success. I was uh, obviously I know of your history within GB and your um, thank you your, your career. But, you know, just digging into it a bit online as well this morning, making sure I'm getting my facts right. <laughs> There's not many athletes that can say that they've represented their country, um, Europeans, World Championships, Olympics, more than once, uh, World Cups, Commonwealth Games, obviously representing <laughs> England. So I think that's like, I think you've ticked every box there, which is absolutely phenomenal. So congratulations for that. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, and that's what we want to kind of dig into a little bit. So um, first of all, let's start with the end. No, not the end point. The end point for you, your last major was Commonwealth Games, wasn't it, in 2014? Yeah. Well, you came away with a couple of medals there. So that's, yes. that's obviously yeah. awesome. Um, did you always want to, because that was obviously in Great Britain, it was in Glasgow, wasn't it? Did yeah. you know that after the London Games, you would want to carry on to do like a home Commonwealth Games? No, I wasn't sure at first because it had been my second Olympics and obviously a, a huge build up to it. Um, massive commitment and 
time off from my education and every other aspect of my life really building up to the Olympics and um, I was very unsure whether I wanted to carry on or not and um, after conversations with my coach and family um, we decided that two years to go to Glasgow wasn't too far away to keep going and keep pushing in to try and make a Commonwealth Games because I hadn't I hadn't done one. Yep so I guess it was your yeah your desire to tick off that final box yeah. was it? Yeah <laughs> yes. Did you, did you not find that once you get to that point, you go, oh, it's only another two years. I might try for, might try for Rio. Did you consider that or was no. it like you ended the line? No, not at all. I okay. was very much finished. <laughs> last, 2014 was it. I knew that that was going to be my yeah. last year competing. Yeah. And I guess it couldn't have ended better really coming away with some medals as well. So yeah, strangely, actually, um, probably about 2013, I had a bit of a dip and um, mm. a lot of changes, changes in coaches and, um, I wasn't even sure whether I wanted to carry on at that point because it'd just been a crazy year since since London. Yeah. Um, and I did the whole thing of, I think I've had enough. And my mum and dad were like, okay. And I was like, hang on a minute. You need to convince me to convince me to stay. You know, <laughs> I needed to to tell me to carry on. Um, so made the decision to carry on. And 2014 ended up being one of my best competitive years, actually. That's interesting. So, yeah. That's quite a, quite a good message, actually, for, 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 again, for the athletes and the parents that are listening. Yeah. That some, yeah, you go through these massive highs so and many, also, yeah. yeah, and there's a lot of lows as well, wasn't yeah. there, really? And it's just kind of, um, you know, undulating. It's up and down all the time. But for you to come through what you felt was a, a bad period and particularly after after your second Olympics. So it was like you'd, you'd achieved almost everything that you yeah. kind of wanted to in that respect, but you still yeah. persevered. So. Yeah, it took me a while to kind of understand that there was still a little bit more left in me yep. and I still wasn't ready to finish and I knew I had it in me to do another year and achieve those goals and I just had that extra little bit of motivation yeah post yep. but I need I think I needed to go through that down phase and that 2013 of not doing too many competitions to find my love of the sport back and get that mm. motivation back yeah and then obviously that made the decision much easier to finish after Commonwealth so you, you tick that box you'd won yes. some medals and it was a natural kind of closing very, point I yeah I find myself very lucky to be able to say that it was 100% my choice to finish I know a lot mm. of gymnasts aren't that lucky and outside factors or injuries or things like that will yep. kind of force them to finish their career maybe earlier than they wanted and I, I do find myself very lucky and very grateful that I could, it was my choice and it was my decision and it was because I knew that I'd achieved everything that I'd wanted to achieve and I was ready to move on with the next phase of my life. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. So when you look back at the career, um, what was or what is your, like your fondest memory of being a gymnast? That's a good question. Um, I often speak to athletes and, and, and whilst you would think that their fondest memory is like standing on a podium or or competing in a certain arena, it's actually often the time that they'd spent with their um, their yeah. teammates. And it'll be something crazy that they've done at a training camp, like just having fun or, or like a day off or or something that sticks in their mind as being like one of the highlights of their career. And it's kind of summed up by the people that you spend time with as opposed to necessarily the medal. Yeah, I think I don't look back at a particular one moment because, um, I mean, 16 years of training, it's kind of all this, something yeah. blur together, but Definitely spending time with friends and friends who are going through the same thing as you. You know, you're not you're not on your own. Your school friends that you uh, grow up with don't really understand that other part of your life and kind of never will. Mm. Whereas the, the the friends that you've made through gymnastics and especially at squads. I mean, funnily enough, I've actually found my phone from around 2012, 2013. 
and I've got videos and pictures of us at Millershaw at squads and it's bringing yeah. back so many memories and it was those those moments um you know even away on camps or at competitions just in the hotel room and trying to find something to do because you know we spend so much time there and yeah. waiting to go back to the training gym so definitely those experiences and memories that I've made um you know abroad and traveling the world with with my friends really yeah yeah and their lasting relationships obviously now you're, you're, you're very close to the same teammates aren't you or many yeah. of them so it's uh, no it's really cool yeah really cool so in terms of your greatest accomplishment in your mind what would what could that be because it could be again overcoming adversity to get to a certain event of course it could have been being a double olympian but is there anything that, again that stands out in your mind that you'd like an achievement that you're most proud of um I would say I have two, if that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd say uh, Beijing, actually, the Beijing Olympics, um, yeah. because I think it was quite unexpected, not just for me, but maybe for everybody, kind of fans of the sport in Great Britain at the time, um, as class as a bit of a dark horse. And mm-hmm. um, I didn't actually make the Europeans that year um, in 2008 because um, I was a little bit injured and I wasn't quite ready and I didn't have any experience going into going into trials, but I just kind of, got my head down and did my job and and making that that team with such little experience and you know not not a lot of knowing about the that senior side of the sport mm. um I think was a massive a big thing for me and it really motivated me in the future that actually I could go a little bit further in the sport than I maybe expected yeah um so that that was a big one for me um and then also Commonwealth I know we spoke touched on it before um just going through the year of beforehand and not knowing whether I wanted to carry on and going through so many you know things in my head of ups and downs and positives and negatives and then to come out and then to have like one of the best years and get two two medals at Commonwealth because I hadn't been doing all four pieces either um the first half of the year and I'd just kind of been ticking over for the team ticking over bars and vault in case I was needed and then actually my training was going so well that I was able to be put into the all-around mm. competition and then came away with a medal. So that was a, that was a big highlight for me. Yeah, wicked. And how old were you when you went to Beijing? I just turned 16. So actually my 16th birthday was at Lillishaw oh, right, one okay. of the, the weeks before we, we yeah. left. So you would have been, again, one of the youngest members of Team GB, which seems to be a, a tradition really with... Yeah. Uh, I think that was Tunney in, in London, I believe. Yeah, and, and yes, it was. It was. Amy, I believe, in yeah. Rio. So it's norm- normally a gymnast who's... Uh, You'll you know, down the, down the smallest as well. And the smallest, yeah. <laughs> the smallest of TV. Oh, dear. Um, Excellent. Yeah, yeah what, amazing, what amazing life experience and, and obviously, you know, yeah. a goal. I mean, you say it was unexpected, but also was it always a dream of yours as an athlete to, to do that? Yeah, I think it took me a while to get to that point. Um, so I, I moved to... I made the decision to move to um, the City of Liverpool Gymnastics Club at about 12, 13. And it was the, at the time, it was the best uh, club in the, in the country uh, yeah. with Beth Weddle training there. And I you know, massively looked up to her and all the achievements that she'd, that she'd had. Um, and I think it took me a while to think that I was as good as them. I always, I always struggled with confidence and saying my goals out loud. But I think deep down, I knew that, that you know, the ultimate dream would be to go to the Olympics and represent represent great britain so yeah a massive thing to be able to do it twice as well yeah 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 i think it's really important the fact that you had a such a um 
a fantastic role model in the club for you to kind of aspire because you know Beth being you know the greatest female gymnast that's come from from Great Britain in terms of like her medal count and and yeah. the, you know the opportunities and the, the events that she's done and just being able to rub shoulders with her train alongside her I guess learn from her in terms of like her work ethic her mentality um yeah, and, and just slot in and, and understand that okay, you're you're on the same path in terms of like Beth. This is what Beth does, and Beth, this is the outcome that Beth gets, yeah, and yeah. that's why my program is the same. And and obviously, you've got this, you know similar outcomes in terms yeah. of uh, those events as well. Looking back, I think I, I definitely appreciate it more now, and how incredible mm. it was to have someone like Beth in the gym. Because when I first got to to the club, I you know I was in awe, and I, I'd be stood on a beam, and she'd be on the bars, and my coach would be like, Hannah, go on, you know you get going on with your work and and I just was like I just I was so amazed at not just what the skills that she was doing at the time but kind of just her work ethic and it was you know straight off the bar straight looking to the coach for corrections and then straight away back on the bar it it was that constant kind of work and positivity and her her grip as well not just whether she was doing an actual physical technical work it was the conditioning side and her rehab and she was so diligent with with that and to then be able to train alongside her leading up to 2012 she was not only just fantastic to watch and learn from she was Mm. unbelievably supportive with me and she everything that I was going through she'd been there she'd already experienced it and knew exactly how I was feeling so she she very much supported me in every step of the way and you know, very grateful to be able to have had her as a friend leading up to, and a role model to look up to yeah. as well. Almost like a mentor, friend, role yeah. model, like the whole yeah, whole package. Everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 really cool. And um, I know that a lot of clubs struggle because they might have an athlete, um, maybe they're only 11, 12 years old, and they, they could be gifted and talented, but because they haven't got anyone to aspire to, they find that that 12 year old can become quite complacent. You know, they're, they're yeah. not really striving to be any better because they're already you know top dogs so to speak within the club um and in situations like that I always encourage those clubs to take the athletes to environments where they've got some someone to compete against but also to to learn from and to look up to because it's massively powerful and they you know they quite rightly say that successfully um breeds success yeah Mm-hmm. So if you can spend more time with other people that are pushing you and, and, and working. And this is one of the reasons why, um, you know, squad squads in terms of like national squads can be so powerful because when you get all the, the teammates together, they push each other. And- yeah. They're pushing each other. They're, they're, te- they're trying to beat each other. They've yeah. got that. F- they're supporting each other. But at the same time, it's like, Oh, she just put that in her routine. <laughs> I, I must get my next skill. And you get this friendly internal competition. Yeah, um, and it just brings out the best of it in everyone. So for the coaches that are listening to this, you know, if you have got a kid in your gym who and they, and they might be fantastic, you know, don't just get complacent with that. They need to be pushed still, because whilst you might find that you're constantly having to motivate them in the gym, inspiration is much more powerful. And what Hannah's talking about here is how she's been inspired by Beth and her work ethic and and the quality of work that she did, um, which was phenomenal I mean you know she remains in my mind one of the probably the greatest bar worker ever in history it just you know I still I still say that it's just fantastic work and um and so yeah coaches and clubs that are listening make sure you you put your athletes in similar situations where they can be inspired and learn from others that are maybe training faster harder or they modeling the work ethic that you want them to have because that's far more powerful than you just telling them to to get on the bar again um you know go again chalk up quicker yeah Yeah, it's just just different so okay so that's that you think was an important part of your kind of journey as an athlete as well yeah Yeah. did you always want to coach 
No, <laughs> I didn't actually. Um, did, you, did you specifically not want to coach? Yes. <laughs> oh, really? That's, that's yeah. interesting. I, so I finished, uh, just before I'd finished, people were, were asking what my plans were and I still had a year left of university. So that was more on my mind. Um, and I, but I just, I was adamant that I, I wasn't going to do coaching because I knew the commitment and the sacrifice. And I, I thought, you know, I've just done it all as a gymnast. I don't want to then do it all again as a coach. And, yeah. you know, how, you know, it, let's move away from gymnastics for a little bit and have a bit of time away. And so I went on a couple of holidays. Um, but within a week of being home, I, I went back into the gym and actually worked alongside my sister, Sophie, just volunteering and some afternoons. And I just, I got hooked as completely fell in love with the sport again I was so passionate and and the rest you know I've been coaching for five years now and I've, I've got a career out of it so you know I'm very very lucky that I, I did fall in love with it and I'm still involved in the sport because I do love it and I think I did need a little bit of time away but not as much as I as, uh, thought, yeah. as much as I thought um, but I think looking back a lot of people said that they're not surprised that I've, I've got into coaching because I do remember especially when Beth had finished and I kind of stepped up and it was me and Becky Downey as um, kind of team captains, so to speak. And we'd be at competitions and I'd always be kind of wanting to help the other girls on the team, especially if it was a piece where I wasn't competing. I remember one moment where uh, Claudia Fragapani was on vault. I think it was the first time she was competing her double twist in Uchenko and I could see her just looking at all the other girls vaulting and I, I just turned her around and I was talking to her and I was like, look at me, don't look that way. And looking back now, talk. I think I was, yeah, I was always possibly wanting to go into this this line of work, really, coaching yep. and helping out the gymnasts and stuff. Awesome. And so obviously you, you are now um, assistant head coach of Warrington Gymnastics Club, which is in the yeah. northwest of England. Yeah. Uh, you work very closely with your sister, Sophie, who is the head coach. Head coach yeah. Yep. So, um, and just for the audience's um, awareness, I've, I've been to the club a couple of times. I've done a few sort of consultancy days, haven't I, in club visits. Yeah. Um, and that's another reason why I wanted to invite you onto the podcast because you're both doing such an amazing job. And, okay. and I don't say that lightly. There's, you know, mm-hmm. I go into a lot of clubs and I'm really, um, I always come away feeling good about my time there for a number of reasons one um i just like spending time with you guys you know it's just you know you're really open-minded you, you're just keen to learn um but the environment that you've created i believe is very special and that is a rarity that you, you can't walk into many gym clubs and i don't have that reflection when i come out and go that environment is just perfect you know like i yeah. I, I would take my child there not that I have a child but if i did i'd be like i would take my child there that, that's and that is what everyone and every coach should think when they're in a gym they should be like if I had a kid or, if, you know, or, or maybe they do, I would be happy leaving these people in charge of my children, not just for learning gymnastics, but also for their development as a person. And, yeah. um, and there's the reflections that I come out. So come out with, I want to talk about that um, because it is impressive. It's by design. It's not by accident. And I know that you've been as a team, there's more, there's more to it than just yourself and Sophie, of course. Um, there's a, there's a, there's a big team there, including your mum as well. Um, but how have you got to this stage of, of having such a kind of a nice environment to work with where you've got, you know, great team of staff, the athletes train hard. It's a very pleasant environment yet. You're still accomplishing a lot. You know, you're still making great strides and I know that you're still early on in the journey, but you've got an awful lot right so let's just can you just talk a little bit about how you've got to that stage and some of the things that you've done 
Yeah, first of all, thank you very much for those <laughs> kind of words. Good. I appreciate it. Um, and we would definitely say that, you know, I've only been there for, for about five years now, um, me and Sophie and my mum. Yeah. Um, and we still would say we have a long way to go and still lots we want to improve on. Um, but we do feel like we've made a massive impact um, over the last couple of years. Because when we first went to Warrington, we only had uh, one facility, which had, you know, wrecked tumbling squads as well as our performance um, side, which I'm sure other clubs there uh, can understand that it's quite difficult to juggle and fit everybody in onto the pieces and keep everyone happy. Um, but because we grew the membership so much, um, we managed to open a second facility dedicated just to our recreational gymnast, which is actually the heart of the club. It's really important. They support the, the performance side. Um and they're able to get the most out of their gymnastics, whether they're doing one hours, two hours or four hours a week, um, just for the pure enjoyment. And we're very much wanting to support that side and the coaches as well. It's not just all about the performance side. Yep. And then because of that, our squad gymnasts then have the privilege of having a facility where they can a bit, have a bit more freedom and they can you know, use more of the equipment. And that is a, was a massive step for us and being able to have those two facilities the next step was then, I think, building the coaches for that because the bigger the gym, the more coaches, yeah. the more kids you need. And it's not just, like you say, the coaching staff we have. And I used to say that we're quite lucky, but I do think we've worked very hard to build up this incredible team of passionate coaches who care about the gymnasts and who also want success as well and are willing to work hard and do it in the right way to get that success. But the success comes in many different forms it's happy gymnasts. It's gymnasts that are successful in all aspects of their life. We're trying to, you know, create good women and yeah. not just good gymnasts. You know, we want them to be able to deal with adversity and later on in life. And we're teaching them that when they're in the gym. Yeah. Um, and the coaches are given a lot of opportunities for CPD. I mean, working with you and the likes of CA um, massive inspirations of ours and we're constantly trying to better ourselves and um, we also have Mandy yep. Mandy Miller who's our operations manager who we wouldn't have been able to do any of this without her because she is very much has the same passion for gymnastics and the kids that we do but also the same morals the same ethos and she wants the same atmosphere in the gym that that creates that you know positivity and everyone being mm -hmm. happy and successful and um she's there she's very much supportive of not just the rec side and building up that membership there and having the kids coming and enjoying the sport she, she's very much supportive of our performance side and our elite gymnasts who maybe require a little bit more support or you know equipment here and there and and yep. you know she's great with the parents she's and she's, yeah, she's always trying to get you in to work with us and mm. thinking of other ways, going to conferences and learning from other people. And um, I think, that, yeah, we're just yeah. constantly so, trying to better ourselves. I think we're not, we're never going to think that we're, we've learned it all and we're done and we're just going to teach. Mm. It's, we're constantly changing. I think the way I coach now and the things that I've learned, some of the exercises that I use or even the way that I talk to the kids is completely different to a year ago. And that was a completely different to the year before. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I think we're all very open and saying that we'll come home and reflect and we can do better the next day. And mm -hmm. um with the with the heart of our the reason why we do it being the kids. And I think I can very easily hold my hands up. And Sophie also as well, she's she's seen me go through 
the gymnast side of it and how the dedication and how hard it was to get to somewhere like the Olympics, which is the obviously the pinnacle of an elite athlete's gymnastics career. Um, so she's neither of us are in a rush or even massively ambitious to get a kid to the Olympics. Okay. It's not really a, about that for us. If, if there's a, a talented kid comes along and they have all these attributes and, you know, we have the support of everything, all the, all the little pieces fit together, then of course we're going to support that, but it's not, we want a kid to go to the Olympics. We're, we're very much, no matter what kid walks through the door, what level, what age, we want them to succeed at every level. I think that's mm-hmm. a massive philosophy of mine. Yep. To just have successful kids at every level. Very cool. I mean, all that sounds relatively <laughs> simple. But yeah. it is, there's so much that you said there, which is really, really powerful. I mean, first of all, it's value alignment. So the people that within your team are all aligned in the values and the philosophies. That in yeah. itself is hard to find other people yeah. that that share the same values and the same the same mission. So I think yeah. that, you know, with, with Sophie, um, Mandy, of course, and the rest of your coaching team, I know yeah. it's, it's not just those guys, you've got yeah. a, a nice group of people underneath. So um, finding people that align with your values on the same mission is absolutely important. You talked about self-reflection. Um, you're basically not having an ego and so understanding that you've still got a lot to learn. You will always have a lot to learn. Yeah. You mentioned that you're not the same coach as you were a year ago. And, and in a year from now, you're going to be a different person. And yeah. the year after yeah. that, just, yeah. and, but that's the case for all of us, but it's just that some people just aren't aware of that or don't want to admit that. Yeah. Um, so you've got that obviously awareness of, of the fact that you, all of, all of you as a team are, are um, learning and developing and therefore reflecting. Um, you've got the, the kids first kind of approach, which is like, it's all about the athlete. We've yep. got our ambitions as an organization, but they can't compromise, you know, certain philosophies and values related to the children. So I think all of that sounds simple, but it's really quite, it's, there's a lot in it. Uh, yeah. I know that drives the way that you coach and which drives your interactions with your parents which and you know that drives the the atmosphere and the ambience in the gym and once you're in, impacting all of that then you know it, it really does have a massive impact and then you go home happy because you're not screaming and shouting at kids your kids yeah. go home happy they want to come in and work and and it's just it's not as stressful I know it's still stressful yeah. but it's not yeah. as stressful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there's still challenges obviously but yeah you know like in any job um yeah and it has taken a while for us to get to this this point as well. Um, and like you say, uh, things crop up with with parents, with coaches that we that has to be dealt with, with facilities and things not working out. But as long as you have your your heart's in the right place, and mm. I think another thing is that the the longevity of of the kids as well. We we want these kids to be in the sport forever for as long as they can until they they've had enough and leave happy not be forced out because they've not met a skill requirement or not met or, or got injured or, you know, we, we want them to be in this sport for as long as they want to be. And we also have a young leader program where uh, as soon as they turn 12, we have gymnasts coming in and helping coaching okay. and, and learning how to coach. So we're growing our, our own coaches for the future as well. It's, it's a constant thing. It's not just like we've done this now and that's it. We can happy and just coach now. It's, it's a constant thing that we, we're always reviewing and, you know, we, we've now got an S&C coach coming in to help with mm-hmm. the performance side of it, which is massive and massively supported by Mandy as well, who helped organise that. We've got some sports psychologists in training and they're coming in and working with the kids now as well to help on that side of things. And we're just constantly trying to grow, trying to improve, trying to learn more. Yeah. Um, with, like you say, the, the, the kids at the centre of that. 
Yeah. And it's just a very proactive approach to personal development because obviously I've been in a few times, Carol Angela's just done a trip sort of last week on the back yeah. of the Beam Masterclass. Yeah. Um, I know that you have uh, yeah, a strength and conditioning coach. Now you're saying you've got psychologists coming in as well. So it's a very proactive and, and modern approach is, is how it should be, is that you kind of understand that you can't be awesome at everything. You know, no. I, I, I'm not an SNC coach either, and, and I, I, you know, that I use uh, an SNC coach, Dan, who's kind of like my right hand man in, in that kind of area, because yeah. I know that I haven't got the time to learn the, that field in the same yeah. way that he does. I think same with, yeah. so, same with psychology. Go. Yeah, I think um, that was one of the biggest things that I realised transitioning from athlete to coach. I think massively appreciated my coaches more so now right. than I did at the time because the amount of different hats that a coach has to put on. Um, you know they have to be able to be there almost like a parent figure when they're in when you're in the gym you have to be the technical coach you have to be the psychologist coach you have to then be strength and conditioning and there's so many different aspects that I think I've I've learned I've come to understand now being a coach that actually there's no way anyone could do it Mm. all just from their own knowledge I mean obviously I'm continuing to learn about those things but it's not my you know field of expertise so you have to get people in to help there yeah, awesome. Um, with uh, Sophie, obviously being sisters, how how do you find that working together <laughs> yeah. with with Sophie? Um, luckily, we're very very close, um, and I think we massively respect each other. And it's also m- my mum's involved as well. Yeah, of course, it's, yeah, it's a whole just, family affair, isn't it? It's yeah. A whole family affair, and I think what brings us together is the the passion for the sport. We are gymnastics mad. Mm. We absolutely love it, and. Um, we love what it what it gives to gymnasts and what it gives for us and how it makes us feel when a kid, you know, completes that skill and turns to us with a big smile on their face. It's it's what keeps us going. And I think we do have our disagreements and our arguments, but because of the respect that we have for each other's knowledge, um, it, it just works. And we're also we're on the same page. We want the same things for the kids um, and for the club. And I think because we come from so many such different backgrounds, as in my mum's been the parent of the the gymnast and mm-hmm. as well as being a national judge, my sister's then got the 15 plus years of coaching and been a family member of a gymnast and also been in an environment with much higher level gymnasts as well and experienced yep. different club situations. And then myself having got the athlete perspective. So put all that together there's not really a lot of situations in the gym that we can't handle or we haven't been through ourselves. Mm-hmm. And having my mum to be able to talk to parents is, is brilliant because I know sometimes yeah. me, and my, me and my sister, we haven't got kids. So sometimes parents are, well, you know, how do you know? Because you haven't got any children. But, yeah. So having my mum's for that side is brilliant. And so just kind of all, all three of us working together. And again, I think it's, a, it's the respect for each other. I know I do. I remember some, when I was an athlete, and then my mum was, was judging a beam routine and I was, I was looking at going, well, no, I can't do that. I can't connect it like that. I'm not going to be able to do it. And she was going back at me, well, you're not going to get it given and you're not going to get these points for it. And I think, and I did, I did respect her obviously at the time, but I was more, well, you don't understand because you're not, you're not yeah. doing that. You're not doing the skills. Whereas now I, I understand that she was, you know, obviously trying to help me and trying to support me and I, I have a more respect and understanding for that mm-hmm. now and I also look back and at videos and I'm like why did I not straighten my back leg or why, <laughs> why did I not hold enough time sir. Yes. <laughs> um, but I think yeah we, we work really well together I think a lot a lot of people would say there'd be quite a lot of downsides but we're 
We're a very close family. Yes. We're very supportive of each other. That, that's amazing. And I think, again, it's maybe it's a slightly unique situation because, you know, your family are involved. But for, for other clubs that are listening, the takeaway here is is the respect part that you've mentioned. Yeah. That you've got to have mutual respect. And you like um, even in some organizations, you might not necessarily like and need to socialize with the people that you work within your team. But you yeah. do need to be able to respect each other. Um, but, you know, obviously be professional, stay on the same page, keep the value alignment. You don't need to yeah. exactly, you know, particularly enjoy social time with them, but you, you must respect them in order for that relationship to work. Yeah. So as soon as there's a lack of respect, then you get all sorts of, of issues. And it goes, uh, it goes down into the rest of our, our coaching team as well. And, and Mandy as well, we have massive respect for Mandy and what she does and yeah. bringing the, everything together, you know, within and, employees and all the rest of it and the, the, the building and stuff we you know we respect her and her knowledge for what mm. she does and and all the coaches that come in have a have something that they're that like their niche that they're good at you know we have coaches that are really good at preschool so we put them in charge of the preschool programs and we take on board what they've got to say and we'll ask them so you know what's not working what's working and they'll feed, feed actually feedback to us so it's not always just me and Sophie as, as, as head coaches kind yep. of telling them what to do it's people bringing things in. We have another coach who's a sports therapist who's constantly giving us exercises. If there's a theme in the club, everyone's got sore shoulders or maybe start doing this. Um, and I think it's that respect all the way around. And, and again, everyone feels everyone, valued. Everyone, every, Everybody's yeah. heard. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Just going back to um, like the specifics of your coaching. Yeah. Do you think like a coach or do you think like an athlete? And I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but do you step into their world or do you see it from the coach's perspective more now? Like when you're giving feedback and things. I'd like to say both. Yeah. <laughs> I think as I'm coming away from my gymnastics side, I maybe don't dip into the gymnast side as often as I used to when I first started coaching. And maybe I should. It's something I should probably do a little bit more often. But I do feel like one of my strengths as a coach is, is my empathy for them and mm. my understanding of what they're going through and their I do try and understand how they're feeling if something's not going quite right or I understand how amazing it is when they get a skill so I make a bigger deal out of it um, or if I know that they're needing a bit more words of encouragement I know how much that meant to me when mm-hmm. I was feeling a bit low and how much of a boost it gave me if my coach kind of just said come on you can do it like yeah. go and dig a bit deeper and I knew how much that meant especially if I was conditioning and stuff like that so I do try and do it on that side and and I think as well I, I understand I think this is something that Sophie has also we've built together is that understanding that nine times out of ten the gymnasts aren't you know c- pulling out of a skill on purpose or f- keeping doing the same mistake on purpose they're mm. they want to do it you know they, they want to be able to do it this is why they're in the gym and I think may, I, I mean I'll have put my hands up and admit that maybe in the past I was a bit frustrated with a with a kid who couldn't do something because I've it's almost like I was well why can't you just do it and I had to learn as a coach that actually maybe appreciate I was quite talented actually that it's it takes a little bit more time and each gymnast is different and but nine times out of ten there they just need a little bit more support or Mm. some more words of encouragement or for you to video it or something like that because I do remember in the past if I was kind of maybe being told off a little bit in my head. I was going, but I'm trying really hard. You know, I am really trying. And I think having that understanding, hopefully I'd like to think that my gymnasts think that I, yep. you know, I respect them for, for actually wanting to be in the gym and wanting to learn. And it's not, they're not just 
acting out, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, just because they feel like it. Yeah, empathy is a really important skill of coaching. You kind of summed it up so nicely there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Re- really good. You've got the experience to be able to link back to. Um, what, and again, totally make-believe situation. If you could um, take a bit of knowledge that you've got now as a coach and send it back to Hannah Whelan, oh. you know, like as a gymnast, what would you want her to to know? Maybe it's a, a mental thing. Maybe it's something about about coaching. But what would you wish that? previous you know you as a as a former um athlete knew now um i think i'd like to be able to say to myself that everything i'm doing is is for a reason and will help help me and give me gains i think there were times where i was going well why am i doing this and i'd rather be at home or why am i doing this is a waste of time or um kind of more of an understanding maybe I could have taken the time to understand why I was doing a certain thing or maybe be a little bit more proactive. I think one of my faults as a gymnast was, you know, someone had told me to jump, I'd say how high kind of thing and not maybe learn to think on my own two feet a little bit more Mm. and almost take a bit more ownership of, of the gymnastics I was doing, but just kind of understand why it was I was doing it. And then I think maybe I'd understood my technical side a little bit more and kind of understood those components. But I mean, you will say you'd love to put a, an old head on young shoulders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no, it's really interesting. Um, what is the work? Not the don't use the worst part. What's the hardest part of coaching for you now? What's the the thing that frustrates you the most? Um, again, two things. It's changed in the past. It's, the, it's frustrating to see a gymnast who is, you know, quite naturally talented, but maybe doesn't have the desire there yep. and you have to learn as a coach to kind of take that step back and make it come from them and mm-hmm. make them learn actually that it's got to be self-driven kind of thing. Um, and then the other thing would probably be just, just wanting it so badly for a gymnast who's trying really hard. And there's only so much as a coach, you know, that you can do or seeing a yep. gymnast try really, really hard and then getting really frustrated with themselves and upset and, you just wanting to give them a hug and be like, you're doing yeah. a great, you know, you're doing a great job. Don't worry. Especially these, you know, the younger ones who are starting to do bigger skills now and, and you can see them getting a bit frustrated and you just want to be like, don't worry. You, you're really young. You've got years and years and years to learn, but they just, you know, they want it right now. And I want to be able to do it perfectly every time once you get it once. And it's again, trying to put an old head on young shoulders and say, it's, it's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, and trying to get a 10, 11 year old to ta- understand that is quite, yep. quite difficult. No, but yeah, you're right. Absolutely. And they're quite, they're quite linked to those, aren't they? Yeah. Those two, those two points. Um, yep. Can you talk to me about the Hannah Whelan Invitational? Oh, yes. How did this, it. how did it come about? And, you know, for the audience, what, what is it? Um, well, actually it was more Mandy and Sophie's idea. So uh, as a club, we've been wanting to run a gymnastics event mm-hmm. um, for promotion, for funding, fundraising, yeah. um, another competition for our lower level kids, actually. So they don't get as many opportunities maybe. So it's uh, an opportunity for rec, our one hour rec gymnast or our floor and vault gymnast to, to have a competition outside of the club um, and a, a fun one. And um, my name had kind of been, you know, leaving the sport very slowly. Mm. And um, they kind of want, they they said to me, you know, we want to keep kind of my legacy alive and keep my name in the sport because of everything that I'd, I'd achieved. And 
they decided to name it after me, which is, I mean, uh, it's still a shock to me now. I feel massively honoured to have a competition named after me. I know it's not a thing that happens to people every day. Um, so I'm, I'm very grateful to them. But funnily enough, now when we're talking about it, when they're saying the Hannah Whelan competition, it doesn't even feel like my name because it's right, yeah, yeah. what jobs have got to be done. Um, yeah. But we had our first one last year and we had uh, around 600 entries for it. So it was a unbelievable. very crazy busy weekend. Um, yeah. So that was from our you know lower level kids all the way up to four piece gymnastics. So we've decided to do two this year. Right. <laughs> Just to add on more work. Like I was going to say, and this is, this is obviously, these are invitationals that are not just for Warrington gymnasts, but no, they're open yeah. to, yeah. it's an invitational, so other clubs can participate yeah. in this, yeah. So anyone, yeah. anyone is welcome. There are, we have set routines for our lower level gymnasts, and then we have our like regional rules for our four-piece gymnasts, and we're also having an FIG category this year as well. Fantastic. So constantly building on that as well. Yeah, and I remember seeing on Instagram and Facebook like the pictures and things, and it looked like a really, really fantastic. Yeah, event. and I think I would—I don't think I ever did anything like that as a gymnast. And, mm. and looking back, Mandy has thought of absolutely everything from the signs, the logos, to the gym layout, and plastering all over, to having signs outside and car parking signs, and yeah, the goodie really bags good. that the gymnasts get. They just—they were just so happy at all day and. Yeah, it was a really nice competition. Long weekend, but it was it was fantastic. I can't wait for this year. Brilliant. And so, uh, um, on the top of your head, do you know when they are this year? Oh, we I'll have spot here. Um, our four piece is in middle of June. Dates, yep. I'm not too sure of. And our two piece is the first weekend of July. Okay, hang on. I've got on Instagram here. Yeah, 20, <laughs> 20th, 21st of June. Yeah. Fourth and fifth of July, so so nice and close yeah. together. Um, and if clubs uh, are interested in uh, maybe getting some more information about that, where would they be able to find out? Because I mean, I'd encourage people to, if they're looking for competitions around that time to participate, because I know it's going to be a a great day. So, um, is there anywhere they can get information? Is it on the Warrington? Gymnastics yes, so it's on the Warrington website, and uh, you could almost also email Mandy at info at warringtongymnastics.co.uk. Perfect. That sounds good as well. So excellent. Right. I think we're going to leave it there. We've, we've spoken for a nice bit of time there and I've actually, I've really enjoyed this. I knew I would. Yeah. Um, I, I really think it's, it's very powerful when you speak to former athletes that are now coaching and of course doing a fantastic job. There's a lot that we can all learn from people like yourself. And um, what I find very refreshing is the um, proactive approach the uh, the values first approach that you guys at the club are doing um, and just the, yeah, the values are at the heart of, of why of the way that you're coaching as a result of that, it's created such a nice, nice atmosphere. And I know it's having a massive impact on a lot of people. So kudos to everybody at Warrington. Um, Thank you very much. No, no problem. And and congratulations again for your uh, former success as an athlete and your continued success. And uh, I hope your invitation all goes well in in June and July. Looks like it's going to be great. No problem. No problem. Okay. Thanks, Han. Speak soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Gymnastics Growth Show. If you've enjoyed this episode, please head on over to iTunes or your chosen podcast player, subscribe, leave a review and share the show with your network. See you next time.